Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off, and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to another special edition of The Gospel Truth. This week, I'm interviewing John Tesh about how God has changed his life and specifically healed him of cancer. So we've already been into this interview. We're continuing it today. Uh, enjoy this, and I'll be back right at the close of today's broadcast. Did you have a relationship with the Lord then, or did you just know about him? Oh, man. I, I know this has happened to a lot of kids that go to go to go to college. I, I did have a, a relationship with the Lord. And then when I went to college, I stopped going to church and I took a, a required course, a religion course. And the teacher spent, I thought, well, this will be great. This will reinvigorate me. I'll learn all about, you know, the gospels again. And it turns out it wasn't that at all. The teacher spent the whole time, two semesters, talking about how how religion, Christianity in particular, was nothing more than a way for weak people to explain things they couldn't explain by science. That was your religion science. teacher. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. That's so, terrible. but it wasn't religion a teacher at a religious college, right? Yeah, but you know, I've heard a stat that I think 80% of youth who have a relationship with the Lord leave it in their first year of college because college is just so toxic towards Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, you know, so it's, you kind uh, of experienced oh, that. I, I absolutely. So when you hit the street that. and we're living in a tent, did you start thinking about the Lord again? Yeah, because that was my, uh, that was my foxhole. You know, everybody, what, what is yeah. it you always say? that uh, There are no atheists in foxholes. Right. Exactly. I think about you and your foxhole reading the Bible. Yeah. Um, so uh, eventually I, I ended up uh, making a, a, a demo tape for a radio station and, and there was a guy that felt sorry for me and he... <laughs> so when you're living in a tent, how yeah. do you make a demo tape? Did you I, have I, a box? I, yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> um, I got the keys. I got the keys to the campus radio station, and I went oh, in there. Oh, so your criminal career Thanks. wasn't over yet. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't turn off Andrew Womack. He's a really nice guy, and I just happened to be on the show, and and you know, it, it's okay. redemption. It's redemption. redemption. Thank you. Man, okay. God now has you can, changed. Now you. you can keep watching redemption. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I got a guy to give me the keys, and I went in there at midnight, and I, and I made a demo tape. And, and uh, I, all I had was a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. There was a little upright piano. There was a, a microphone, and there was a, a typewriter. And so I, I rolled the reel-to-reel the, the, the -reel tape recorder, and I started typing to sound like the teletype, right? That, and, so, and then I realized I had to talk while I was typing. So, and I do this on stage. You've seen this. So I, I, I'm talking thing, and I'm going, this is John Tesh, WKIX 2020 News. Today, Dr. Henry Kissinger had this to say about the possibility of peace in the Middle East. Correspondent David Dyer has this report from Cairo. This is David Dyer from Cairo. Today, Dr. Henry Kissinger had this to say about the possibility of peace in the Middle East. I think there is a possibility of peace in the Middle East. And then I had the traffic report. Traffic is reasonably heavy on the uh, I-40, you know, they did the whole thing. And, and so, um, I know, how about people who just tuned into this now going, what, what is this? Um, but the, the ending is great, so stick with us. Amen. Um, so then I, uh, I took it to a, a WKIX radio, and the, the, guy, the guy called me on my payphone at the, at the, uh, at the tent, 
and said, listen, if you want a job this badly, I'll give you a job. Playing, <laughs> playing the religious tapes on Sunday morning uh, from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., you know, when they used to have the public service requirements. So I'm listening so to Billy. So was your demo tape really that good, or was he just realizing the effort you put effort. into it? Effort. It was all that. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. But, but it was like, if you're, if you're willing to do this, you'll be great at sweeping floors. Oh, that's you know? awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, and then, and then people that, that have seen you in all of these venues and on television and stuff, they, they probably And within 36 months, from. I was anchoring the news in the same building as Walter Cronkite at 23 years old, the youngest correspondent. And, and again, when you go back and connect the, connect the dots, it was, it, was, it was encouragement from the Holy Spirit. It was God with me. It was, and I had burned my ships. I didn't. I didn't have any. I didn't have any choice but to have to have faith. And that same experience landed on me when I was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So, do you see that as your determination that you just refused to quit and you kept going, or do you see it as just God answering your prayers? Uh, I mean, who gets the credit on this? Oh, God gets the credit on this. God didn't get the credit on this until I went back and connected the dots and tried to figure out how is this possible. In fact, other people have written about it that, that from the moment I was in that tiny station in, in, in Raleigh and then 36 months later being a correspondent at CBS News, it's never, maybe one or two other people that's, that's happened to. But the thing, the doors that opened up and the dreams that I would have of why don't I send a tape to this person or somebody would show up and, and they, 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 or, or they'd quit and I'd be the only guy under 82 years old. That happened, you know, and to, to anchor the news. I didn't have a jacket or anything. So when, when you look at it, it's, it's definitely the leading of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and God with me. There's, just, there's no your, other way to explain it. What was your attitude? Were you encouraged or discouraged? Was this a low point or were you still in faith even though everything in the natural was bad? What were you going through? I, I can't say I was... I, 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 I think I thought, well, what, what can I do to get out of this situation? And the only thing I could think to do was to say the Lord's Prayer, right? And I would say it fast and I would say it slow and I would say, you know, one word at a time just to have some sort of connection to God. And I, and I was doing a lot of begging. You know, can you just please... Well, you may not have had the right understanding, but it sounds like you refused to just totally give up and quit. I mean, a lot of people in that situation wouldn't have come out of it. I think I was fortunate that I didn't have any money because I think I was probably about, uh, you know, just to be honest, I think I, at that time I was probably an inch away from being a homeless drunk. Because if I'd had some money, I probably would have started drinking. Um, because things just, it was just... So you really did have you, that discouragement. Yeah. I, I was so depressed. Uh, it, it was, there's no, no other way to, to describe that. But, you know, I mean, you're always saying, you know, um, uh, you know my, or the scripture, my, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Um, the, the difference in the knowledge that I have now and then, I, I, I'm surprised that I, that I got out of that. I was just, just hanging on by, by a thread. But the gratefulness that I have now, you know, and that's why when people, if I'm on Facebook or something, they're saying, I've got this and I've got that. In fact, last night I was on there doing a Facebook Live and I'm just saying, no, just, just keep going. You know, try, you know, understand that God wants you to keep going. And, and until, you're, until you've been through some suffering, you don't understand what keep going means. Well, you've talked about this cancer and how you were telling Connie just to kill you. You hurt so bad and stuff like that. But that wasn't the first time you'd suffered. So you've, you've had kind of a rough 
life. And people see where you are now and just think everything was all roses yeah, for you, but it yeah. certainly wasn't that way. Well, let's, let's be honest. I think a lot of, a lot of my rough stuff was self-imposed. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, my poverty days was because I thought a minister was sinning against the Lord if you went out and worked jobs. So, man, I was able-bodied. I could have worked, yeah. but I was just waiting on God yeah. to rain yeah. the money out of heaven. And but you know, you've, you've, been a, you've been a real... Uh, it's funny how you, you know, at 67 years old, you can still, you can still learn stuff. Um, you know, people are like, wow, how did you end up doing this? Or how did you end up doing that? Or how do you, how do you know so much about, about Scripture? Does it just come to you? And I remember after a particular meeting, that I saw you at, and you, you spoke for like an hour and a half. In fact, I think you wiped out all the rest of the of the speaker's time. You just kept going. I'm just kidding. That, that's happened, though. I did that with Creflo one time. I took his time. That might have been one that you were at in Phoenix. Yeah, and I said to you, we had lunch afterwards, and I said to you, uh, how long did it take you to prepare that? And you said something like 40 years. You know, it's, it's so true. No matter what you're going to do, whether you want to go deeper into the Word of God or whether you want to be a broadcast or whatever. It's just, it doesn't just happen. It's, it's, it is a power. Of, it's, it's, it's so much work. I called you the other day to talk to you and, and I said, I hope I didn't interrupt you. And, and you know, what's, what are you up to today? So I'm just studying. You know, it's, it's work. It's really a lot. All of it is, is work. But on the other side of it, on the other side of going through that process is, is an amazing life. But you have to understand that it's, that it's work. Even, you know, I mean, think about the, I think about the work that I did. I think about what would have happened to me if Cha-Cha hadn't handed me the CD of yours, A, a Better Way to Pray. Where would I be right now? I, you know, and, and that's why it's so wonderful that you guys give away your product, you know. And it's so great. It's, it's an encouragement to people to be bold and to say, if you don't feel like, feel like you, you should share your, you, you don't feel qualified, whatever, to share the gospel with somebody, Hand them, hand them a study, and and your study was so much different than anything I, I had. I, I almost felt cheated. I felt like, wow, the church never told me this, and my 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 uncles never never told me this. Wow. In fact, they didn't even acknowledge there was an Old Testament. You know. So after you got this job, your first job on the radio and stuff, <clears throat> you went from there in what you said just a few months or a year or two. To be in a CBS broadcast. Yeah, it was it was thirty six months to the uh, almost to the date. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and it, it how, is. how it did is. that happen? I mean, did people see your talent, or or how did how did it how was, did you progress? It was really relentlessness, I would say. In that, you know, the moment I, I, I the moment I got the moment I got to um, one station, I was always uh, well. There's there, there's something I've written about called "Be Found Ready," right? I think a lot of us, uh, I've, I, I, I know I have friends who do this. I have people who will talk to me about this where it's like, okay, I'm going on a job interview or, uh, or I want to advance my career. And I said, well, okay, what skills do you have? Well, I can do this. I can do X. I said, well, how, what about Y, Z and A, B and C? You know, I was so afraid of being fired in every job that I had because I'd already been thrown out of the house and thrown out of school. So I had that experience that when I got to a station, whether it was radio or television, I learned how to do everything. I mean, I learned how to run the teleprompter. I learned how to run the, run the cameras. I learned how to edit. I learned how to write, you know, all of that because I was so afraid. Fear, fear was chasing me. You know, I was so afraid that, that something was going to happen. So um, when, I would, when, when I would be at it, let's say when I was in Nashville um, and I'd be doing the news there, I'd always be recording myself and practicing and then sending tapes out to other stations. And one of those tapes landed on the news director at WCBS 
And it was that same thing of, you know, wow, this kid's a real go-getter. That, there's nothing, there's nothing that, that, that a boss likes better than, likes more than somebody who's a, a go-getter, even if they're not I would think polished. that to be hired by CBS, you, you'd have to do more than just send a tape anonymously. I mean, well, that, I went in there and, and, uh, has and to did be. an interview and all the rest of that. But in that newsroom, it was the wildest thing. You know, in that newsroom, and these, a lot of these names may not be familiar to you, but, but John Stossel, who ended up on 2020, Meredith Vieira, who was on the, the View and the Today Show, we're all cub reporters at the same time. Brian Williams, Bill O'Reilly was in that was in was in that newsroom, and and if you said to me tonight, now, hey John, we want you to go back and be a correspondent for CBS, I'd say no, 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 I, I can't, I can't do that. I was so out of my head, where it was just like just just do what they tell you to do, and and work hard. Um, and again, connecting the dots and looking back, it was, I mean, God had to be there. You know, there was just no other, no, no other explanation for it. it. wasn't, there's no, there's, I don't believe in luck, you know. So it, your passion was music always, but you were doing yeah, all of these yeah, news yeah, yeah, You were yeah. just doing whatever it took to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I was always in the jazz clubs playing, you know, playing music at night. Did your like dad that. ever come around after he began to see you begin to see succeed? Andrew, that's such a great question, uh, you know, reconciliation. And, and I, I've, I've left that out. And one of, one of uh, the people in my concerts recently uh, uh, mentioned, well, did you ever, you didn't mention whether you reconciled with your, with your dad or your statistics professor. First of all, let's say this. When you act with honor, people around you will, will thrive, right? No matter if it's painful at the time. So when my statistics professor when he saw that it wasn't his signature on that thing, he could have said, ah. But instead, he was an honorable man, and he reported me. You know, 120 other kids in that class, and he said, this is, you know, this is wrong. I'm going by the rules. I'm reporting him. And then when my dad, it had to be painful for him and my, and my mom, when he made the decision that, that I had broken the honor code of our family, and he knew that, that I needed to... I, I needed to Now, this was a learn. military man who, boy, that was really, yeah. I mean, he put his life on the line. Right. That was a big deal to right. him. Right, and my mom was a you know, retired surgical nurse, so the two of them were, were, you know, were high achievers. So when, when, when that happened, um, I, I, I ended up, uh, uh, I mean, it taught, it, taught me a, it taught me a lesson, really, that, that uh, delayed gratification is really the only way to survive, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer your question, though. I no, think. I was asking about, did you ever get to reconcile with your Oh, dad? yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's the most important part. See, I avoided it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back after this. <laughs> no. Um, uh, you know, it was one of those, it was the way my dad reconciled. So I didn't hear from him for, I, I didn't call him. And you know what? There wasn't anything other than writing letters and calling. You couldn't like email, text him and say, hey, what's up with a thumbs up, you know. Uh, I... Uh, we didn't talk for three years, and then one of his buddies that, uh, that he used to work with at Haynes in New York called him and said, hey, your son is on the news, and I, and I bear his name, right? So I was John Tesh Jr., and so uh, Dad called me up and, uh, and didn't mention that until later. He called me up and said, hey, we'd like for you to come be with us for Christmas. Oh, praise God. So, and we never talked about it again. So, and we had we had a great relationship. You know that, that generation, though, that was really kind of the way they are. They're stoic. They didn't express their emotions a whole lot. They right. just, yeah. Their actions spoke yeah. for them. Yeah. So that was for him probably a big deal to call you up and invite you to come for Christmas. It was, and I understood that it was a big deal. You know, um, and and then we, you know, I mean, it, it was sad because. Um, 
I felt like we should have reconciled you know, earlier than that. You know, we, it was a, our family back in the early days was, uh, was a little tough. My dad had PTSD. Uh, before we knew what PTSD was, he was drinking a little heavily. He was, he was very involved in the in, in the church. In fact, he pretty much ran the church. He was the second in command behind our you know our pastor. But then, in the middle of all this, you know, then the, then the pastor had had a failing, and he was he he ended up with the church secretary or something like that. So then we stopped going to that church, and so my whole my whole image back then of of church was just well, wait a second. My dad is running the church, but he's got a he's He's an alcoholic, basically, at the, at the time. My, the guy who confirmed me, my, baptized me, my pastor, is now off with another woman. What, you know, what is this now? You How know? about your mom? Did, was the relationship with your mom broken, too, when your dad told you my, that? My mom was... Betty Friedan wrote a book called The Feminine Mystique. And what happened in suburbia in America in the 1950s and early 60s was that men got jobs in, at least in, in New York, men got jobs in Manhattan and women, whatever they were doing, whatever they were trained for, they quit and they raised the family, right? And so uh, Friedan actually says, the author says, you know, back in the day, no one cared for these women. They didn't care about their feelings. They didn't care about their, their hopes or their dreams. In fact, it, it very much was like women in the 1950s Married women with children in the 1950s were buried alive. And I thought, wow, that was my mom. Because she wouldn't go up against my dad, right? She wouldn't go, uh, she wouldn't argue with him. It was always, it was his way or the, you know, or... You know, my dad died. He died when I was 12, but uh, my mom said that they never had an argument in the whole time that they were married. But it was because my mom was just like you're describing. She wouldn't counter my dad. My dad was the boss. Yeah, and you know, I, it, it makes me mad that that uh, when people just blame everything on their uh, on, on their parents. My, I, you know, just like me. I mean, my my dad, my mom. They, you know, they had flaws, but they they set me on a path of greatness, especially in music. You know, where they were just insistent on it. it wasn't like, hey, if you want to play an instrument, if you don't like that anymore, well, try the flute. You know, it was like, you're going to play piano. You're going to play for two hours a day. I'm going to put this egg timer on this on your piano. I'm going to set it to an hour. And then I'm going to set it to an hour again. And you're going to play your scales. And you can't go outside. And you know, you can't switch to the guitar. You know. And now it's like sort of like it's loose. You know. Uh, but so my, I'm I'm grateful to my my parents for for being. For being, yes, again, they had their they had their. Some flaws, of the ways that we were tough. raised would be considered child abuse today. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Boy, well, my wait, dad. My piano teacher was definitely. She, she had a th- like a ruler. She would smack my fingers when I wasn't playing properly. Well, so, my yeah. dad would whoop me, and I mean, I, my brother, he'd just stand there and take it. But I'd run in circles, and he'd just hit me every once in a while as I came by. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so it was a different day. So when my dad was was sixty, when uh, when my dad was sixty three. He was diagnosed with uh, with lung cancer. He was a heavy smoker, you know, smoke him if you got him on the ship, right? When he was in the in the navy, and I remember I remember going to his bedside and I was crying and my mom was crying and my dad looked at me and he goes, you know, Johnny, he said you're not going to get this, and I thought, why would he say something like that? You know, did he think that I was that talking I could about catch, the cancer? Yeah, the cancer. Did he think that I could catch cancer? And uh, I said, no, no, Dad, I, I understand. And that was, when he spoke that over me, I worried about catching his cancer up until I was 63 years old. Put a fear in you. And, 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 and when fear comes upon you and rumination 
And I didn't understand until even, even after I, I listened to A Better Way to Pray, I didn't truly understand. So I, I got it. Okay, okay. I'm going to speak life over myself. I'm going to speak life over, over my cancer. You're, you're, you're dead in Jesus' name. But I didn't truly understand what unbelief was until I started, until I dug into YouTube, which is great that your videos are there. Your videos, uh, 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 Barry Bennett's, Dwayne Sheriff, and, you know, and, and talking about what is unbelief. You can, you can be in faith, but if you're in unbelief, it's like you use the example of having a, having a, 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 a truck traveling in one direction and then you've chained another truck to the, to the back of it and it's going in that direction. You're just, you're not going anywhere. So until I got the concept of unbelief, I didn't understand how to stay healed and to stay in, the, in, in, in God's Word. I know that you were blessed today by hearing John talk about what God's done in his life. And I tell you, it is just awesome. We got a lot more great things to share with you. So join us again tomorrow as we continue this John Tesh interview. We hope you enjoyed today's interview with John Tesh. If you'd like more information about John Tesh or his book titled Relentless, Unleashing a Life of Purpose, Grit, and Faith, visit his website at johnteshrelentless.com. This is the CD collection that Andrew and I were talking about when we were having a conversation, A Better Way to Pray. This is the CD that my wife put into our, our car stereo system, and for an hour we were driving around listening to something I'd never heard before. I grew up in the church, but I had never realized that I was praying and begging God, I was praying the wrong way and that there was a better way to pray. And once I got the revelation of that, through this CD series, I was able to get healed. So we're gonna make this our gift to you. You can get this book absolutely free. We'll offer the CD set for a gift of any amount and the same teaching that God used to change John's life can change yours. So listen to our announcer as he gives you this information. Please call or write today. You can get Andrew's book titled, A Better Way to Pray, in either English or Spanish, absolutely free when you contact us. This offer is limited to one free book per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. A Better Way to Pray is also available as either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast and as a companion study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. 
I'd like to invite you to join me on June the 5th and the 6th for our Truth and Liberty Coalition Conference. This is going to be specifically to motivate and equip people how to get involved in their political realm, in the government, and get make a difference, how to vote, how to motivate people to vote, to equip them, to give them tools. We've got James Robinson is going to be our speaker on Friday night. That's going to be powerful. And then we got a whole day Saturday of great speakers lined up, some practical things. We are specifically focusing on pastors, and I believe it's really going to be a powerful thing. So I encourage you to come join us on the 5th and the 6th of June for our Truth and Liberty Coalition Conference right here in Woodland Park. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a quick look at how the friends and partners of Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College are equipping students from all backgrounds and nations to proclaim the power of the gospel. Students like Mohammed Faridi, a former Muslim from Iran who desired to be a martyr for Islam until a close friend introduced him to Jesus and changed the course of his life forever. Every lie that Islam told me that I have to beat myself to humiliate myself, to be sorrowful for my sin, and I have to be killed and sacrificed. He said, it's already done in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Him, you will have eternal life. And that's the best thing I have ever heard in my life, and that is the best decision I have ever made. Today, Mohammed is a graduate of Karis Bible College and is spreading this message of God's love and grace with others lost in Islam. To watch his full story, visit awmi.net today. You're going to hear things. You're going to start understanding things, seeing things from a different way. This is called the Summer Family Bible Conference. Guess what? That's not just because you brought your kids. It's because in this room, we're family. There's nobody in here that God doesn't want to prosper. He sees a purpose in you that He wants to set free. Listen, you've been sowing, sowing, sowing. It's time for us to reap our harvest. It's gonna completely change the way that you live your life. This July 4th, join us for a rousing musical tale of heroism, hope, and sacrifice. Experience the key events of American history through the eyes of a single family. Coming soon with free admission to Karis Bible College, Colorado. In God We Trust, a fight for freedom. And I want to share with you about Karis Distance Education. This is what we call our online platform or our correspondence courses where you get the material sent to you. But you don't have to come to a physical location. You can receive the teaching through these platforms and then you can send in your test. You actually have interaction and stuff, but you don't have to leave and go to a physical location. And for some of you, this is your answer to how you could receive the teaching from Karis without having to pick up and move to one of these locations. You can get more information by contacting us, but we encourage you to become a part of Karis Bible College through our distance education. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I just would like to encourage you to help us get the gospel out through social media. By joining us on Facebook, you will receive exclusive content, 
like Andrew's weekly Tuesday Night Live Bible study, teachings, live streams, and Q&A sessions with Andrew. So we would like to see you like our Facebook page to share it with other people and you be a minister of the gospel by sharing this with someone else.